if I didn't ask him if I could have made that video for that second session, like, I don't know if I would still be doing like my video work and film work or even be like running a company essentially. And I think I've like carried that mentality into like other video projects that I've done. And it's always like ask, like you have to go out of your way to, to ask and be uncomfortable. Um, because like those are those moments where you'll really change and, and grow. From sunny California, welcome to the Vision of the People podcast, a show about visionaries from various industries who share their inspiring stories and give advice to people wanting to make an impact on the world. As always, I'm your host, Rushi, like sushi with an R. And on today's episode, we talk with the rising star, founder of Stavro Media, Stavro Victor. After receiving great feedback from our listeners, we will be featuring not only successful people, but also exciting prospects that are just starting their journeys. On this episode, we learn with videographer and creative Stavro Victor how video production can help tell your story and impact your business. Stavro has produced video marketing campaigns for clients in Greece, across the United States, and Mexico by pursuing his passion of telling compelling stories. Stavro explains the behind-the-scenes processes behind video production that we all need to know. He operates Stavro Media, a boutique video production agency based in San Francisco that airs to make creative, out-of-the-box videos by pushing the boundaries of editing and storytelling through stunning visuals. He pivoted from the hospitality industry after college into a creative freelance role as a videographer and explains how he's learning the different aspects and processes for running a progressive video production agency. He also gives awesome advice to those that are looking to start their own creative work. An exciting episode that is sure to spark your creative side. Hope you enjoy. All right, uh, welcome to another episode of Vision of the People podcast. I have someone very special um, here once again on our show. Um, he's been a dear friend, but he's also someone who is climbing the charts of success very fast um, in the Bay Area and throughout the world. So, you know, without further ado, um, introducing Stavro Victor. Stavro, um, we're so glad to have you on the show here today. Woo! Woo, woo, woo. Thank you for having me on this awesome show, Rushi. I've been following it for your few first of many episodes, and I'm glad to finally be on it. I didn't know that this was going to be a thing that would happen, but uh, yeah, it's here. It's exciting. It's moving. Yeah. I'm moving glad you're excited, man. Um, or, so how about we do this? Uh, can you introduce yourself for us, and then we'll take it from there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my name is Stavro Victor. I am a 25-year-old Greek-American, and I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I would like to call myself a videographer, a storyteller, and I'm someone who is probably like overtly extremely optimistic. Uh, and so, yeah, and then on top of that, I'm someone that I would say I'm more introverted, uh, but to others, I think I come off that I'm more like extroverted, if anything. Uh, but I like to talk a lot and I like to, uh, I like to ask a lot of questions, uh, to just about everyone. So I'm very talkative. I'm very friendly and I love to just connect with people. I think that's, that's who I am and how I, I would describe myself. That is that is a perfect description of who you are. I would definitely agree with that. Um, and you hit it spot on. So, uh, great start to, to our episode today. I think people are really going to enjoy it. So, um, I'm going to get right into it. Um, you're currently founder and CEO of Stavro Media. Um, yes, sir. Tell me, uh, you know, tell me about your humble beginnings on, you know, how did Stavro Media really come about and what was the story and where you are today? Cool, cool, cool. So Stavro Media came about, I'd say it was in my, it was in the year like 2015 slash 2016. So it was in my last years of college uh, at Cal Poly Pomona. And so it was like a really big, uh, essentially like pivoting and transitioning point in my life. And so I was like just graduating university at Cal Poly Pomona. 
And like, I didn't really find myself actually wanting to work in the industry that I was studying at school for the past five years. And so I was studying hotel restaurant management. And so that's like a focus on like restaurant management from like the front to back of house uh, to working in like country clubs or even looking in, uh, even working in hotels. And it was like a great industry, great college to be in, great people to be around. And I had like a lot of like internship opportunities, like while I was studying that at school. And so the reason why I'm talking about this is because of like what I was studying in this, that area of like my degree that I ended up like pivoting out of that and like into this creative industry and field. And so I had, uh, multiple internships while I was at school. One was at the Jonathan Club. It's a private country club in LA and Santa Monica area. Phenomenal experience, great people to be around, learned a lot. And then my second internship that I had on the summer of 2015, uh, was with Hillstone Restaurant Group. And so I was out in uh, the Biltmore area in Arizona. And like that internship just blew my mind because I learned a lot about like the systematic approach to running a successful restaurant and just like running it like a machine, if, if that can make sense. Um, they were so like detail oriented there that they even had all the managers like drill holes into the salt shakers uh, to make sure that enough salt was like pouring out of the salt shakers onto like the steaks and food and stuff like that. And so the, the reason why that I'm saying that is because while I was working there, uh, I would say like I'm a very like family oriented person. Like I love to be around my family. I grew up around my family. I just have like a strong tie to them. I would say that's how a lot of Greek Americans are. So during that time that I was in that internship down there, uh, my grandmother was actually got like sick back up in the Bay Area and she ended up like passing away. And it was just at like the tail end of uh, that internship in Phoenix. And be, I had to end up leaving, I ended up having to leave early from that and head back to the Bay Area for the funeral and stuff like that. And I ended up getting like a lot of grief in a way um, from like Hillstone and the internship for leaving early. And so, it, I don't know, it just kind of like left me with a like distasteful heart for like working like in that industry, like in that part of the energy industry in terms of like management execution. And I just didn't really see myself wanting to like work for another company like on their terms working 80 hours a week um like in one location like i just didn't feel like there's like enough diversity um and like uh, enough like movement in that specific area and so funny enough when i was there in that internship i was doing a lot of like photo and video stuff like during my time off and that's real like really where it started like my passion for photo and videography and stuff like that and then during that summer, I ended up making this like Harley Davidson uh, drone video back up here in the Bay Area. And that got me a job at the university uh, back at school where I ended up learning how to do all my videography and photography work and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I can go more into essentially how I um, like learned all my, I guess, like my skills and my knowledge. Like, is that something that would be valuable? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, it's crazy how... A guy from hospitality goes almost 180 degrees to, <laughs> you know, a creative side. Yeah, which is kind of, I mean, I guess it's kind of funny because when I first started at Cal Poly Pomona, I started with graphic design. Uh, I did that for like the first year, but I realized like, you know, I don't need to go to school for this. Like I can just learn it on YouTube or on the internet. Like there's no reason to do it. So I ended up switching into hospitality. And then once I graduated, I essentially went back into like the creative field. Um, but yeah, essentially I learned like all my videography work, uh, while I was working for, uh, essentially this com completely student run organization at Cal Poly Pomona, uh, called MDPR. So it was marketing design and public relations. And so I got hired as a videographer there essentially like learned everything that I needed to know while like getting paid for it and working around other creatives who were, uh, like really crucial for like my learning and like growing as a creative and freelancer. Um, so a lot of that were from like two people I would say, and they're like some of my like really good friends at school. Um, one of them was Anthony and he's like the founder of this Hispanic sketch comedy channel called crazy gorilla. Shout out to him. And then this other gentleman called Gilbert Sanchez, uh, and he's like an event, uh, music, uh, and entertainment, essentially photo and, and videographer. And so they were both like really big crucial, uh, people in like my learning of like the creative, uh, 
uh, industry and working with clients and working on projects. And I mean, even just how to like edit videos on Premiere Pro, like Anthony was like a big help in, in that process of it. And then even after I graduated, like being able to connect and talk with them um, as like peers and mentors has been has been huge for sure. Um, and then even just like learning more on like the marketing aspect that like I've helped bring into Stavra Media. Uh, my last year at school, Rushi and I uh, were actually together working on Lono Drop, which I think you've mentioned it once or twice before in the, in the podcast, right? Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> uh, so we were working on that project together and it, it helped me learn a lot of like the business like skills and like the marketing aspects that like I brought into like the Stavra Media business. Um, and a lot of those have like changed and developed over time. Uh, but I think just like working with like-minded people um, in that lab of a class, like helped me grow and learn immensely that, you know, you, you couldn't have done in any university class, even though that was a class, but it's more like a lab essentially in a startup of many ways. So yeah, it was, yeah. was kind of like an incubator is the way I see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a really so, good point. So, and, it, it's you have a phenomenal background like i really find it super intriguing ever since we worked together um during our times our ted as well i think i uh, volunteered for our first yeah. TED event on campus and then doing loan or drop now we but did some it's like when you graduated and then when you were talking about like you know most of us when we graduate we look for jobs and we don't look to most of us don't look to start their own thing like what, what made you like do your own thing? Like, no, I think I'm really going to build out Stavro Media for now at least and then see how I can build my own business. Mm-hmm. Like what made you do that versus the status quo of everyone getting a job? Yeah, I would. That's a really good question. It's like what what made me not go the traditional route? Yeah. I, I, f- I feel like growing up, I've always been probably like the black sheep or like non-traditional, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, like I would always like to stand out. I was like one of the first kids in like my group of friends. I don't know. There's like a phase in like middle school where everyone had like lo- like long surfer hair, like that kind of idea. It's like one of the first kids to have like really long curly hair as like one testament. Uh, but yeah, I've always been like that black sheep and like to stand out. Um, and so I think after graduating, that kind of came in part with like not wanting to just get a traditional job. Like I wanted to do something different. Um, I wanted to like take it into my own hands. And essentially once I graduated, I went to uh, this Greek church summer camp in, in Greece for the summer as a staff member. And the videographer for, for that camp, he was there for the first session of it, which was three weeks long. And then he ended up dropping out halfway through and there was still another session and there was no one to do any of the film work for it. And so I ended up going, uh, I was still there at the camp and I did all the filming for that second session, like at whim. I was like really nervous to ask the director of the camp if like, like, Hey, like I have some of my camera gear, I have some lenses. Like if you want, I could, I could do some film work. And you know, if you like the video, we could show it at the end. Um, and so I ended up making a video. He ended up loving it. And it was like the first time, the first time I like really ever like showing a big video, but like show making a video and then getting to like show it and like screen it to like 200 people, like in front of them, like almost like a movie theater setting to like all these kids at the end of the camp. And it was just like insane. And so from, from that point on, like, I don't know what it was, but I just felt like I was essentially like gifted with this ability mm-hmm. to to do this work and to make an impact on people and allow them to like rem- remember aspects of things that are like really impactful and important to them. And the, I mean, this camp that I was at, people left away like after that summer, like feeling like they, their lives were completely changed. And I made these like videos at the end of it. So I ended up doing it like two summers in a row. So like that first summer that I was talking about, and then the following summer I ended up doing more film work for them. And like people from that camp still contact me and be like, Hey, like I, I watched the videos from our session and like you made like those videos, the way you made them made makes me like relive camp. And it's like a year and a half, two years later. And like the feeling on my end from someone saying that is just like incredible, Uh, not in like a selfish way, but it just makes me happy that I'm able to um, through my videos and through what people are doing and through the program that was essentially at that camp, um, allow them to like relive an experience that's already been passed. And so I kind of carry that mentality into like a lot of the the video and film work that I do nowadays. Wow. Um, So that's awesome. I mean, get this opportunity like halfway across the world in Greece. And I mean, it was sort of 
kind of wasn't given to you, but you know, you saw an opportunity and you raised your hand and you kind of got to it. So I think that's stunning. And I can completely agree with you with the feeling of, you know, showing your product, um, to, to a crowd of people, kind of like, you know, how we did with Lono Drop and starting our building our first product to yeah, for sure. doing this podcast today. Like, you know, every, every episode is so unique and so dear to my heart that it's like, you know, it, the feeling I can't describe to someone unless, you know, they've done something where they launched their own product yeah. or, or, or they've, you know, they, <laughs> they've given something where people are listening to it daily or people using it daily. For uh, sure. it, it's, it's really an incredible feeling. So I th- oh, one last thing I was going to say, I, th- I think something like that, uh, a thing to take away from that moment, um, like in my career essentially was that like, if I didn't ask like the director of the camp, like I was pretty scared. Like the director, he's like really intimidating, um, like nice guy, but just very intimidating. Like if I didn't ask him if I could have made that video for that second session, like, I don't know if I would still be doing like my video work and film work or even be like running a company essentially. And I think I've like carried that mentality into like other video projects that I've done. And it's always like ask, like you have to go out of your way to, to ask and be uncomfortable um because like those are those moments where you'll really change and, and grow um and so yeah I, I definitely i guess in many cases of like my film work i'll ask for uh probably ask more for forgiveness than for permission and absolutely in, yeah in many absolutely. cases <laughs> i mean steve jobs i mean and you know everyone who knows me knows me like <laughs> you um, like him big, a little bit big, yeah i like him a little bit um a, one of his videos um kind of old about uh i want to say you know, 30 years old video, maybe 20, 30 years old. He, he just said like, you just have to ask people are there. Um, and you just simply just got to ask. So that's mm-hmm. a great point. I want to dive next into, into, you know, this video and storytelling aspect, um, mm-hmm. touched on that a lot, quite a bit. And I've seen your videos and, and you make, you know, refreshing and amazing, you know, visuals and you really are, have incredible, um, storytelling ability so speaking of you know storytelling mm-hmm. uh, love to further understand the importance of storytelling in, in today's day and age from your perspective yeah so i think the importance of storytelling like it comes through on like videos ads photos that you see like in in your day-to-day life like how how it's used in terms of like a marketing standpoint um so when you see something you can instantly tell if it's genuine or, or authentic is, is that do you think that's true yeah yeah fair enough. so i think when storytelling is like done best is when there's a message or a concept that like needs to be told in like a really genuine and authentic manner and i think that's how like storytelling can like best be perceived um in your day-to-day um, media marketing assets, if that makes sense. And so I have a, a client that I worked with. Essentially, he's like the Gary Vaynerchuk of the education world. His name is Mr. Adam Welcome. Uh, so he's wrote a few books. He does like a lot of public speaking and talking. And so I filmed this conference that he had out in Houston, Texas. And we made this two to three minute long promo video of him like talking and engaging with people at the event. And then him speaking about things that he's done in his everyday life to be like a big impact within the education world and like impacting other teachers and educators and uh the yeah just everyone within the education world and like the biggest takeaway from like him is like he's he's just a human he's just a a normal guy a lot of these people are just normal people but they're just like authentic and they're just telling their best like truth to like who they are and they add a lot of value and they add a lot of now knowledge and what they're saying and so if you take this authentic self and you add a lot of value you add a lot of knowledge to it and you put this you know a creative twist on it that like looks really cinematic then that's where like storytelling uh gets put into its finest manner and so this video i ended up making for uh mr adam welcome for just from like natural or organic feedback on facebook got over like ten thousand views immediately which was just insane he ended up booking like many more gigs and events from that like one video that we made for him online uh and so i mean that's just like the tangible um experience of when like i've seen like storytelling done right and like the impact that it could have um like on my clients um or even just for like more businesses and in those terms yeah i mean 
yeah that, that it's funny you mentioned that because uh, i can definitely agree from what you're speaking in comparison because when we look at facebook or instagram when we look at those platforms currently if i look at all the things that are trending in terms of storytelling and how we as as users or consumers are being really being appealed to some of the things that are really um active currently is like the inspiring stories or you know people listening to jay shetty and mm-hmm. you know who's a, who's a monk turned influencer so to speak <laughs> you know a lot of these wisdom gurus are saying like you know gotta smile more and you know gotta take things in perspective and it's really blowing up so it's like they're, they're most of them just simply seem to tell a story that they've been through and they just seem to calm down and 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 just share a lesson, right? A lesson here, a lesson there. And, you know, next week mm-hmm. they're an influencer. So I think people are really craving authenticity. And I think it's one of my personal beliefs that, I mean, the next, you know, decade at least is we're going to be looking at products that are be going to be focusing on people's experiences, whether it's visuals or, you know, physical products or consumer products, software, you name it. Yeah, I think it's really sure. going to be transitioning into authentic stuff. So speaking on these platforms... Um, I mean, these are important platforms that we talked about in terms of the social world and how we're connected. We talk about Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter. Um, how do you see them evolving with this storytelling? You told me a little bit of, you told me a bit of analytics regarding the most recent video you've done, but I guess if you can speak overall on a, on a bigger picture, uh, if you will, mm-hmm. on how those platforms are evolving for you as a freelancer, as a videographer, but also as a user and which one you think works best for for each of the scenarios? Totally. So, like in my own personal like experience and like how I use um, the different platforms, um, a lot of it is for like self promotion in a way, um, and then through self promotion is also like how I promote my business and start with media in many ways. Um, so, like through Instagram, like that's the number one place where I'm uploading either some like behind the scenes video of the work that I'm doing. Um, so if that's like the filming of it, the editing of it and things of that sort. Um, and then a lot of like the final, the final and finished products. Uh, and so I'll even use like IGTV, which I don't think it's been as like talked about of a topic as much anymore, uh, to upload a lot of those finished projects just so it's still like native on the Instagram platform and app. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll upload on YouTube, a lot of my final videos, uh, and those are essentially my like hosting platform for the videos. Mm -hmm. YouTube for me isn't a it's a spot where like I personally will follow a lot of people and, and gain a lot of knowledge um, from okay. others within like the niche that I want to learn more about. So for me, that's videography, storytelling, photo, camera gear. And so I follow a lot of people in that niche. And that's the same with Instagram. That's the same with Twitter. Uh, not so much on Snapchat. Uh, and so, but for me, I would say YouTube isn't the spot where I'm uh, posting and like educating other people. Um about like the storytelling aspect, I just let like that be the platform where I host my work and like mm. let it show for itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so, on Facebook itself, I like, I find that's the platform where I feel like, like genuine, like authentic uh, reaction to content that's posted online can like best happen, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, um, that does. So, so I guess speaking yeah. of, of platforms, I mean, spoke about you know videography would love to sort of understand on how the video creation process works from the initial interest to delivering the content so you know walk me through the process say you know you know i'm uh i'm interested in in using your services like you know how how does that process work boom i think i think we need to get a a video for vision of the people podcast i think that's what what's going on here it's a great Uh, so essentially the yeah i think for creatives, having a process is being able to be creative, if that makes sense. If for like every project you go through, um, you have to like recreate your process in terms of how, like making something successful, then like you'll be more scatterbrained. You won't be able to deliver that client a successful um, and systematic approach to making 
like really creative videos in a way. Um, and so when I first started my business, I didn't ne actually necessarily have a process. Um, I was going through each video kind of at whim. Um, but because of that, I was able to develop and like grow a process um, that I walk through with each of my clients. Um, and that helps me be able to like be creative and actually guide people through really impactful videos. Um, so essentially the first phase is like the pre-production, like discovery phase. And this is like all questions. Like I, I will ask you questions like, what do I need to know about you and your business? What is like, what is your story? And just have them answer that. Um, I would explain to them the expectations of Stavro Media and what that entails and, and what I do um, as a boutique video production agency in terms of pre-production, uh, the production, and the post-production of it. Um, we would go over like the details of the shoot itself, and then we'd leave off with any homework that we'd both need to do. Um, so I'd be, hey, um, you know, Rushi, I need you to gather three people that we're going to have interviewed on this video, and you need to set out the three locations that we're going to be filming at. Um, and then on my end, that might be show like putting together um, a storyboard for the project and knowing what gear we're going to need to have and things things of that sort. Um, then I'll dive more into their question and I'll ask, you know, who are you? What is the story that you want to tell? Uh, what are the goals with the final video or videos? And how are these videos going to be used? And so these questions like, are really important to helping me uh, define the video that's going to be made for the, for the client and then help understand what that shoot will actually look like and what like the post-production editing side will look like. Uh, let's see. So then essentially if everything works out with this pre-production consultation process and if what my services are fit with what the client uh, needs. Uh, then we go into like the budget side of it and then essentially lock off dates and times and things of that sort. And so the actual execution of the video itself is a three-part process. And so that's pre-production, uh, the production process, and the post-production process. And essentially think of it as like the ideation, going off and shooting, and then taking all that footage and putting it together into a project. Uh, so during the pre-production process, like I talked about, we helped define the story. Uh, we developed the outline and layout of the video, theme boarding, and then the ide idea creation. Uh, the production process is where like we're actually taking out the film gear and we're going off and we're shooting everything. Uh, so this is filming with like one or multiple cameras uh, for like interview settings. I'll normally have two cameras. You have an audio setup, you have lighting, uh, and you use that to light and essentially create the scene. Uh, I'll use a lot of dynamic movement to shoot B-roll footage, which is essentially uh, B-roll footage is footage that is used on top of like the main narrative and story. Uh, so if we were to conduct a bunch of interviews, those would be like the bottom layer, like mm -hmm. the A-roll, and then the B-roll would go on top of that footage. Um, so if there was a shot where you were saying there was a beautiful mountain and all of the clouds were moving around it, then there, you know on top of that footage, there would be a shot of a beautiful mountain, all the clouds, or something that would correlate with that most of the time. Uh, so I use a lot of dynamic movements. Uh, that's with like cameras, the sliding shots, time lapses, uh, gimbals, which is like the stick thing that you put a camera on and you can move it a bunch of ways and the camera will stay like stable. So gimbals are like a really big uh, tool that are used and more common now. Uh, and then a lot of really energetic handheld uh, movement of just using the camera in my hand uh, to like really give it a more... Uh, like in person, I would say like authentic feeling to it. Uh, mm -hmm. Audio is really important as well, like capturing audio during the scene or the event itself. Uh, so like a few weeks ago, I ended up doing a shoot for a boxing gym uh, in the Walnut Creek area where my hometown is. And we did all the filming for it. We did the lighting. And then after I was done with all the filming, I went back with my audio source and I recorded audio of them punching the bags, them breathing hard, them talking with each other and all those things. And that, those audio will be used during the post-production to help like enhance the video and bring it to life. 
And so now that all the filming's done, all the audio's recorded, all the lighting was done during the production side, we have the post-production side, and this is where everything comes together. And so essentially how I describe the post-production side is as if you're a miner and you're looking for gold. And so a miner, they go off, they have their shovel, they scoop up a bunch of dirt, they scoop up some gold in that dirt, and they, you know, they put it in their wheelbarrow, they bring it over to the sifter, and they start sifting it out. And so you sift out the first layer, and you get the big chunks of gold that are in there, um, but there's still some dirt that is with that gold, essentially, right? And so you have to further sift through that footage until you get all the best footage, and that's called the selects. So then once you have, for me in my process, once you have all of these selects of the video shoot, you would either have like predetermined music that you would use along with it, or you would have uh, music that essentially goes with the flow of the shoot that was made. And then you would essentially lay out that music. I color code that music at this point. And so the parts that are slow in the music, I color code it red, uh, like a stoplight. Then the parts that are medium fast, I color code that yellow. And the parts that are fast, I color code those green. And so once I have all this B-roll footage and I see the tempo and flow of the music itself, then, then I'm able to align up these uh, video clips with those important parts and how those line up with the story itself. Um, then after all of that is done in the editing process, and this can take up to five, 10 plus hours uh, just to do all of like the post-production editing side. Uh, essentially I would do all like the sound engineering and add any audio um, that would go into post. So if the guy was hitting the punching bags over and over again, I would add in those punching bag sounds that I recorded that are maybe like a little bit higher quality audio mm. um, and maybe add in those breathing effects um, to give you a more embodied effect of this guy being at the gym and being boxing. Uh, I did this video uh, back in June. I was filming at this church summer camp back in the East coast uh, and there's like these boats that were going off and I couldn't really record the audio and like be filming it at the same time where it sound good, especially when I was using the drone. And so I shot all this amazing drone work of the boat and people getting tubed behind it. And then I went back and I recorded all the audio of that so I could attach that to the drone clips to like bring, bring that footage of the boat and the water and the lake and the kids laughing, bring that all to life. Um, so all this happens. Then like the final step that's done is all of the coloring of the footage uh, to bring it to life. So if there's a really like maybe sad or cold scene, uh, you would add like cooler blue tones to it. If there's like a really warm and happy scene, you would add these like warmer uh, orange and yellow tones to it um, to like bring it to life and so you do all this color grading the sound design the shoot footage the audio all these come together in this like masterpiece of a project that is supposed to make you like feel and take something away and learn something after it Dang. I mean, <laughs> if that yeah I, I don't, was that a good way to like paint the picture of, of how it works well um, i told you guys he was a great <laughs> storyteller which you are um love the love the stories um i mean See, I mean, I, it's it's crazy how like someone working for themselves and like trying to put out quality content at the same time, like trying to develop your business. It's so hard. I mean, the, your example right there, like just the process that you have to do and you can't mess up on any of the processes or you got to start over essentially. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah, you know, your product just comes out average and, you know, average doesn't get you anywhere in this world. Um, so thank you very much for going into that detail and like yeah. really telling me how this entire videography process works. Cause I'm sure this is how it works in the industry um, for, for most things. Um, yeah. Just- and I, yeah, I think this process. So like when I first start talking with a lot of clients, essentially what you just heard is what I tell the client like face to face, or if it's over the phone or over email. Um, and the reason why I explain this to the client, like what the pre-production side looks like, what all the filming looks like and the post-production is so they have like an idea and a scope of like the work that goes into like each and every projects that's done. Um, so then when it comes to like the back end, so like I ended up, you know, I end up making this video and I send it off to the client. Um, then they'll come back. Oh, you know, we want to revise this part and do this part and this part. Um, you know, if they want to change the whole song, it may not really be possible to do that um, because essentially the whole video would have to be like scrapped and retimed and that doesn't fit um, within like the scope or the timing of the project and things of that sort. Um, so like explaining this whole process brings the client like 
you know, into the process with you so they understand what's going on um, with it and they're able to like learn more. And, you know, I want them to be as much of much a part of this process as I am as the one who's essentially like orchestrating it uh, mm. in many ways. And I would say just to, to go back in terms of like the production side and so like how I film things, um, I'd say there's like a mix between like a documentary is is approach where a lot of the shots I do aren't planned. It's um, going with the flow of the scenario and scene. Um, like for the camp, for example, there's seven days of filming. There's only so much where you can plan and there's so much that you just have to film off the cusp of the hand and, and uh, understand the energy of the crowd and the people that are there and stuff like that. Um, and then another miss, uh, another aspect of it is understanding what that energy is and helping direct a shot um, that helps convey uh, that energy and like flow of things if that makes sense. So yeah, Yeah, all of that that happens during the production side. That's what I was going to follow up with, which you kind of covered pretty well is, is every, I've seen videos you've done weddings, you've done events in Greece, you've done um, for the city of Walnut Creek and you're getting featured at the, you know, baseball field as well. Um, So, I mean, it seems that every single time you're doing something really creative. And so I guess, um, I guess to (laughs) clarify or confirm it's, it's, for you to get creative on each of these videos it's like it's right you really get involved you really feel as if you are you know is that is that the right way like you really feel like you're part of this story and you try to see how you can tell it from your perspective or is it from the owner's perspective like if you can quickly cover that yeah um so i would say yeah so let me think about this for a second so how is like the how is the vision like what is the takeaway from each of the videos? I feel like that's developed during like the pre-production process and understanding um, who this in video is going to be that's going to end up watching it essentially. And so for this camp video that I was working out uh, working at back in June, uh, the people that are going to be watching that video they're going to be families and they're going to be kids. Um, so these would be like the parents of these kids who would want to go. And the, the kids might also research the website of the camp and understand if they would want to go to it and things of that sort. And so me knowing that is that I need to make a video that is going to attract these kids to go up to their parents and be like, mom, 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 you know, I really want to go to this camp. It looks so much fun. There's so much energy and they're doing all this fun stuff. Um, but then also the parent has to be able to like listen and watch the video and be like, oh, you know, my kid's going to have these takeaways and they're going to learn X, Y, and Z from going to this camp. Um, and so knowing what this, you know, where this individual video is going to go, who's going to be watching it is really crucial um, to like the backside of it. So the video is successful and, and it goes into the right hands essentially. Nice. Um, yeah. So, if the video was going to get pitched to um, like, an, if that camp video was going to get pitched to like an investor to get more money from it, um, it would probably have to get filmed in a different way because that, uh, you know, that client that's going to be receiving the video or the, the person watching it uh, is going to be coming from a different like perspective and mindset. Uh, so, got it. So, so yeah. thinking in terms of like the end user, uh, essentially not like the purchaser right so um, yeah I, I totally get it and that's awesome that the way you yeah. think of that because um, it, it functions the same way when we look at things in software or selling in hardware or different sciences mm-hmm. uh, it's about who's the end user going to be and who's that what's that experience going to be for yeah um, exactly so awesome stuff i mean so much wisdom um since the past you know, 30, 35 minutes we've been going through I've been <laughs> blowing by i mean i've been really been amazed i want to transition now on to like yeah, your personal side of things, um, yeah. to say the least. What's what's like? What's a dream brand that you would want to consult and or make and make a video for, and and why? Any dream brand, if you could. Dream band, dream brand, 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 brand. Or any brand. Company, dream <laughs> company, yeah. dream brand, whatever. So I th- like anything within like the like action sports, um, like nightlife and tourism and convention field like if you're if you're someone in those in those fields and you're listening to this podcast you know you should you should look up your boy on on instagram and go to my website sovereignmedia.com uh, and see if you like my work but so yeah anyone within those uh, verticals is who i want to work with so this would be companies like red bull uh these would be like big travel travel tourism convention boards uh like those are like the niches that i would want to um, that I, I plan and foresee myself going after in the future. Um, so if it was like the Ritz Carlton and 
India and, you know, those, those aspects, like those big companies and doing like travel film work, doing like dynamic storytelling for those companies uh, to help share the experience that they're uh, going through and their, um, their customers are going through in a dynamic way. I mean, that's, that's awesome. It seems like uh, Airbnb yeah. might be a good uh, prospect for you to check out. Airbnb um, would be huge. Yeah. So for sure. Very nice. So I guess this is a question, um, you know, last few questions here and then we'll wrap it up. Um, this, this is the interesting part. So, uh, you're one of my best friends, right? Let's, let's just put it out there. It's on yeah. record now. So, oh, oh no, uh, you just told everyone. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're extremely young. Um, I've well, why, why, why would you say we were best friends, Mr. Rushi? Sorry. Uh, um, like how, how do we get connected? Like what is the, what is the back end behind our friendship? Well, it's, I, I think it's been a lot of things. Um, you know, I guess ever since like we, we became, you know, co-founders of, of Lone and Drop and, working with you you know night and day till like 3 a.m most of the times arguing fighting um laughing (laughs) just like i guess you know after a while like you really see the thing about doing startups and like you know finding your co-founders and things that sense is like you know that person like inside and out like you know you don't know them like sure you, you might have friends that are good natured but like when you really work with someone that closely for that long you you understand their character um and you've been someone who's been a great support um ever since we we met uh and uh, became teams on on loaner drop so yeah i've I've spoken with you multiple times on on a lot of issues on the personal and professional fronts um and and you've just been there for me you've been optimistic but you've been honest at the same time and just like Mm -hmm you know it's 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 hard to yeah find I, humble and honest people yeah i felt like I, re- I received that a lot from you as well like you're someone who's like speaks the truth but you speak it in love um and you're like not afraid of like being honest and you know telling truthful criticism in that aspect um but also just being supportive and having people like that in your life it you know it doesn't come too often and so i think that's always been a reason why we've like always connected and helped support each other um and just yeah, have grown like a really unique friendship. And I think we just, we genuinely care about each other. We care about people and you know, what we want to do with like our work and be impactful in the future. Um, so I feel like that's why, why we've always been so kind of like attracted to being like good friends with each other. Yeah, I know. I agree. And, uh, Stavros also, whenever I think it was my first time in the Bay area, um, Oh, yeah. Stavro took me to the Facebook headquarters and Google's headquarters and we, we tried to sneak in, um, but we weren't successful. But we did uh, ride the Google spikes um, we did. our campus, which we did. is pretty awesome. So um, <laughs> back to back to yeah. our podcast. Um, uh, so, you know, we're really young, right? We're, we're still in our 20s. And this after a lot of feedback from, you know, a lot of good listeners such as yourself, um, they wanted me to shed light on people that are successful and are starting to climb the ladders of success, which, you know, you're definitely are doing that. Like while you are doing that, what is your greatest fear? Like, and why? So another way to look at it is like, what would you regret on your deathbed? Yeah. Man, why, why you gotta ask all these hard questions? Rushi? Yeah. Just it making me stress right now. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say my greatest fear is, not like making an impact on it's i mean it i want to make an impact on people in life and it's not to make an impact on 100 people thousands of people 100 you know whatever it may be like i want to have like the impact on one person um and eventually i would like i would want to know like if that's something that was done and like how it was done essentially um in what way because you know i I'm like a very optimistic person and like I'd love to just see like the best side in everyone and help them out and hear them out on anything and whatever it may be. And so um, I would just want to know that I was able to like be there and help someone out in whatever situation it may be. Um, And just like, you know, just be there, whether it was like being a good friend, um, you know, a brother, sister, son, um, that whole idea. And so, yeah, I would say that's like my, my biggest fear is like not having done that and like like, yeah i like i don't know that that seems kind of like understated or like cliche in a way but we probably like all have that as like a little fear in our life 
at some point so no definitely i think uh millennials or gen z um <laughs> like i am i think we definitely do have that because i mean we we aren't born into that like the, our generation it's 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 right if you look at it from a statistic perspective where we're living in the best time uh mm-hmm. humans have ever been alive on this world you know yeah there's, there's less poverty people have more access to things and like we're now becoming civilized so to speak um so so that's a great point i definitely agree i think i would be i will i'll be there with you on that as well like you know i think living a satisfaction satisfying life uh a meaningful life is important and like yeah that, that's that's awesome man so yeah and i mean ult- ultimately in that in that sense is like helping others um but at the same time like you do have to help yourself to be able to like help others and like be there and like make an impact on people so yeah i guess also living like that self self-fulfillment life and um and just like sacrifice whether if that's like for yourself you know for a potential future family for relationships things of that sort so Mm. more love more empathy people um so going on my (laughs) next question um awesome a little bit on a lighter note um (laughs) what's what's the best thing on your bucket list before you turn 30 boom so i'm 25 right now so we got five years off um, one thing I've always like dreamt about doing, but haven't done it is doing a like solo backpacking trip. Uh, and like Where? I have that, I don't know yet. I would want to be somewhere in America. I feel like, because I don't know, we're so, I'm so keen and I feel like a lot of my friends are, you know, we got to go out of country. We got to go to Europe. We got to go to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd want to do like a solo backpacking trip within the United States, probably like the North. Yeah. Northwest. The somewhere. Rockies. Yeah. Maybe like the Rockies, Colorado, perhaps, um, something of that sort and just like totally disconnect and yeah. And just and make that happen. Like my dad, he has this old, like essentially like really old, like, r- like rugged backpacking backpack that we found up in like our garage addict a few years back. And that kind of inspired me to like want to go and do that. Uh, and I think it would just be like a unique opportunity to like completely disconnect, um, have to like rely on yourself. There's no one else out there and because you're going by yourself. Um, but I guess in terms of like building up to that, there'd probably be like a lot of like mini trips that would have to happen and like gear I would have to acquire over time. Uh, so if I made that a goal by 30, it'd probably be, it would definitely be doable. Yeah. Get moving stuff. But yeah. well, uh, I said it in the podcast, so it, now it has to happen. Yeah, now it has to happen. Um, <laughs> we're going to hold you accountable. Um, I like it. I so like it. so last last two questions and then we'll wrap up. It's been, yes. it's been awesome. Um, advice, you know, advice you would give to fellow freelancers. So, you know, this has been feedback on, on from people who wanted to me to get a videographer and, and ask is, you know, what advice would you give to other freelancers and, and, and mm-hmm. folks that are looking to do work in the creative space? So whether that's photographers, videographers, um, artists, painters, you know, you name it. Um, what advice do you have for them? Sweet. Okay. So in terms of freelance work, like what, what advice would I give to someone who is thinking about getting into the freelance business? I would say multiple, there's a few, um, like the two main ones I would have is create if you want to get into doing freelance work and video work, you have to create and like invest in yourself, right? So if you want to start shooting car commercials, you need to go out and you have to invest in yourself. You have to buy at least, you have to at least have a camera of some sort to be able to go and do it. You can only shoot so much with the phone, you know, so you have to invest in yourself and then you have to go do that work for free. You have to go find someone, you have to find your own car and go shoot one. And then you'll be like, Oh man, this video sucks. And then you'll go shoot another one. You'd be like, man, this video sucks. And then you'll go do like 20 more of those. And by the 20th one, you'll be like, ah, oh, you know, this one's kind of cool. Like, I, I like what I did with this one. And, you know, these aspects were cool. And so you just have to like keep creating and cre- and keep making until you find like how shooting works for you and like how to shoot something and like how to understand it. And then once you're done shooting it, you have to go back and edit it. And so understanding all those different aspects of it and being able to like put those together uh, into future work. So I'd say you have to invest in yourself, you have to create, 
And then I think you have to give more than like what's asked of you. Um, and the big reason why this is important uh, is because if you're doing work for people and you always give them like a little bit more than like what they ask for, you're always helping out. You're always being like their resource, whether it be like your their go-to knowledge, you give them a few more video clips that they could use for their social media and stuff like that. You'll be the first person that they come back to when they need that work done. And then you'll be the first person that they refer to, um, to someone else that needs that work done as well. And so... Yeah, I think that's like a big like encompassing of it. And I think just like take notes on your process, write down all the questions that you ask, uh, because all that stuff will help you develop a process over time. Um, I see. So those, yeah, those are probably a few a few more tips than I initially thought of. <laughs> no, I mean, that works. I mean, we're not sponsored by Nike and we're open to it, but it's basically like just go out and do it. Um, yeah. Just try to get some things under your belt and then things start slowly start to add up. That's how yours truly is working on this podcast. It's a learning game. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, and that's but, how a lot of people get their like starts. It's like you have to, you just have to do it and you have to make that minimal viable product a bunch of times until you see, okay, I hated all these aspects, but I like this one aspect of it. And then once you put all those like one aspects that you like together, then you got like a really cool product. Action speaks so, louder than, uh, than anything else, right? Than words. Yes. What's, uh, what's your best advice someone's ever given to you? So I got this advice when I was working at the the Hillstone internship in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, he put me on guacamole duty and I just totally butchered the guacamole and like the restaurant was opened up in five minutes and I used all the avocados. And so I butchered it and he told me this advice here. He said, make a mistake once and it's a mistake. You make a mistake twice and it's a choice. So make sure you make the right choice. So I'm guessing the mistake that you had to make was the first time? Yeah. Okay, so the first, the, the first mistake I made was that uh, guacamole the first day. And then the day after that, he asked me to make guacamole again. And I can reassure you that it was the best thing guacamole he ever had. Uh, and yeah, I think you just have to be like aware of, aware of what happens and what do and take account of that for that. So, yeah. Very nice. Okay, last question. Um Take it as you will. So, again, the podcast name is called Vision of the People. What is your vision right now? And uh, what really keeps you going? What what makes you get up in the morning and, and you know, fill you with life, life? Sweet. So, my vision right now is to instill a sense of optimism in everyone that I meet. And so... I, I think I said this at the very beginning of the podcast. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a very happy, very optimistic person. There's times where I'm not so happy, um, but I see like the best side in, in everyone that I meet. And so, um, and I think that translates into the work that I do. Like I see the best side to every person, every event that I capture, um, every company that's out there that I'm working for. And I just want to tell their best side um, and show the most optimistic side as to like who they are and what they're trying to do. Uh, and so I think that keeps me going. I think above all else, if everything's bad, if you have a sense of optimism um, and a sense for like a brighter side, then that can keep you going. And that can just, that can be the best mindset that you can have and the impact you can have on others. Awesome. Amazing. Um, yeah. Positivity always wins. I couldn't think of a perfect way to finish off on our podcast. I uh, really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for being on the podcast and also for being a wonderful friend. Um, your time, your wisdom, your support um, means the world to us um, and means the world to me. So thank you very much, Stavro. Stavro Victor, founder of Stavro Media. Feel free to check out his work on Instagram or on his website at stavromedia.com. We really hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Please like us on Facebook at Vision of the People Podcast. And do give your thoughts to me at Lil Rushi Shaw on Twitter on who I should have next on the show. If you found this insightful or interesting, share it with someone that could find this helpful. As Mahatma Gandhi once said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. Till next time, keep striving. Oh,